Well, good morning. We're glad you're here to worship with us this morning. Let's stand and sing together as we praise God. breaks the power of sin and darkness whose love is mighty and so much stronger the king of glory the king above all kings who shakes the whole earth with only thunder who leaves us breathless in awe and wonder the king of glory the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is a love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. That I would be All that you've done for me Let's sing together Who brings our chaos Back into order Who makes the orphan A son and daughter The king of glory The king of glory Who rules the nations with truth and justice shines like the sun in all of its brilliance the king of glory the king above all kings this is amazing grace this is unveiling love that you would take my place my cross you lay down your life that I would be set free oh Jesus I sing for all that you've done for me worthy is the lamb who was slain Conquer the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who called. We sing. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy, worthy, worthy. Oh, this is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, 
for a moment this morning. We are glad that you are here to worship with us. We are honored that you would spend an hour out of your week with us here at Broadway 1109. We are thankful for that. If you're new with us, you're a guest here, I want to encourage you. We have a little perforated tab on the edge of our bulletin. We hope you got one of those as you came in. Uh, if you don't care, fill that out, tear it off, and you can drop it in the offering plate here in just a few moments. Or if you missed that, that's okay. We've got another opportunity for you to turn that into us. You can drop it at our welcome center located in the back of our sanctuary on your way out this morning. That's just our way of getting to know you a little bit and learning how we can best minister to you and your family here at Broadway. Now, again, we are excited that you're here this morning. We're excited about all that God is going to do through uh, this service here this morning. We're going to be able to participate in the Lord's Supper here in just a few moments. Uh, but before we do, I'm going to pray for us and then invite Pastor Daniel Osmond up to, to lead us through that time together. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for this morning. Jesus, we thank you for the beautiful weather. We thank you for the reminder of your goodness that we see through the sunshine. God, I thank you for uh, the opportunity that we have to come to your table this morning as we remember what you did for us on the cross. And Lord, we can celebrate in the victory that the resurrection brings. Lord, and we can celebrate in the eternal hope that we have through that. God, we love you. We thank you for all that we know you will be faithful to do this morning and throughout our lives. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor. We're going to observe the Lord's Supper today, so I'm going to invite our deacons to come forward. Savior say, 
Thy strength indeed is small, child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and Raise this life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raise this life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raise this life up from the dead. Jesus. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. He washed it white as snow. y'all may be seated during the time of the lord's supper this was held in the upper room with jesus and his disciples the night before he was about to be arrested and the purpose of the lord's supper lord's supper doesn't save us what it is it's it's for us to remember jesus he picked up the piece of bread there with his disciples and he explained that this represents his body so jesus described himself as the bread of life so every time we participate and we observe the Lord's Supper, we're identifying that I'm eating the bread of life. Jesus came. He gave his life so we could be saved, so we can have eternal life. Jesus picked up, he was there with his disciples in the upper room. He picked up the bread and he prayed over it. So let's pray over our bread. Oh Lord, this bread here, we know it represents your body. You gave your life, God, on the cross, and you told us to do it in remembrance of you. We remember every time we observe the Lord's Supper of the cost that was paid on the cross. Lord, we thank you for this bread. You are the bread of life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Then after Jesus picked up the bread, he then picked up the cup. So we'll now observe the cups of deacons. Y'all stand up.
How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished, the end is written, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to bear my sin and wear my shame. The cross has spoken, I am forgiven. The King of kings calls me his own. Jesus picked up the cup. He was there with his disciples, and he explained to them, just like in the Old Testament, the reason why you had all these sacrifices in the Old Testament was for blood had to be spilt in order for sins to be forgiven. Jesus explained to his disciples that I am going to die on the cross, so my blood will then be the forgiveness of sins for everyone. So he picked up the cup and he prayed over it. So let's pray over our cup. God, we thank you for this cup. We know this represents your blood. Jesus, you died on the cross for us. Lord, this is central to our salvation of how important it is that we are reminded every time we come into worship that we are saved by your blood. Lord, we thank you for dying on the cross. We should never take it for granted. We thank you for this cup. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Bible says that after they had their Lord's Supper, they sang a song. So we're going to continue here with our worship. I want to remind you, our next Lord's Supper is going to be next month. It's during the Christmas Eve candlelight service. And it's a family-style Lord's Supper. It's a little bit different. So I hope it will be a very special time as we, we observe the supper next month. Chris? Let's stand and worship together as we continue to celebrate uh, Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. you 
into our time of giving this morning, so I'm going to go ahead and invite our ushers to come forward as we pray together. Father, we thank you that we serve a risen Savior. God, we thank you that we serve a God who has cleansed us from all unrighteousness. Lord, now as we move into the time of giving in our service, God, we pray that you would take our tithes and our offerings, Lord, and that you would use them to further your kingdom and your purpose that you would bless both the gift and the giver here at Broadway Baptist. God, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his powerful name that we pray this morning. Amen.
Claim your greatness this morning. Lord, your word tells us that one day at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Father, we do that this morning. God, we love you. We thank you for your blessings on us, your grace, your mercy, your love that you give us so freely. So Jesus, powerful and precious name that we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Hi, I'm Scott Dawson. And as you know, I'm the founder of uh, Scott Dawson Evangelistic Association and Strength to Stand Student Conferences. Our team's been working really hard all year long to prepare for our January Strength to Stand Conference, January 18th through the 20th of 2020. We were dealt a, uh, a severe blow a couple of weeks ago when one of our main headliners we had to remove from our schedule due to a moral failure. Uh, our team was rocked but we were solid that the Lord was going to work something out. After countless calls to Christian artists and personalities across the country, uh, we were about to lose hope. But through a mutual friend who knew another personality, he said, I I've got a crazy idea. Would you consider? I know a pastor who's mentoring uh, a man by the name of Kanye West. Would you be interested? Of course, just like everyone else, I was like, sure, but I knew it was a long shot. After several emails and a phone conversation, I was sitting at home on a Friday afternoon and my phone rang. I thought it was a telemarketer, and I just picked it up and I said, uh, this is Scott. To my shock, on the other end of the line, a voice said, hey Scott, this is Kanye West. Well, after picking myself up off the floor, uh, we had a conversation and I realized that although this is a worldwide um, megastar, he was a brother in Christ. He told me his testimony, told me his struggles that he was still going through, but um, he said that, you know, he's been delivered, but he's on a growth journey with Jesus. At that point, I told him that I thanked him for even considering coming to our conference to which he stopped me. And he said, Scott, after prayer and deliberation, I, I want you to know I'm not considering it. I'm coming. That I'll be there for your January conference. So it's my privilege and excitement to say I'm inviting you to join us January 18th through the 20th of 2020 for the Strength to Stand Student Conference in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. If you'd like more information, you can go to strengththestand.com. 
Now, I know after 30 years of doing student ministries, anything can happen. Schedules can change. Crisis can come up. But at this point, we're planning wholeheartedly to have an incredible lineup for you and your group. People like Jonathan Evans, uh, Wade Morris, Algernon Tennyson, Russia Fools, Forever Free, Hillsong, Young and Free, and our very special guest, Kanye West, for his Sunday service. Make plans now to join us. As soon as we fill up, there will be a waiting list. We want everyone that's possible to get into that room and to listen to Kanye West. Thank you for watching this video. Where's Zach Bauer? Right there he is. Uh, we, um, we are going, not we, I'm not going, Zach's going. He has rented a cabin in Pigeon Forge that sleeps 48 people. Of those 48, eight adults, what we call chaperones, 40 students. I think he has five, is it still five right now? Five tickets remaining for students only. You know, ama amazingly, the adults filled up really fast. So, but um, if you're a teenager, I want you to come, Zach, raise your hand. You, and when this service is over, you need to walk up to Zach and say, Zach, I want to go. That's January 18th through 20th. That's Martin Luther King weekend. Um, great weekend. You're out of school that Monday. You'll leave Saturday morning, get back Monday night, and it'll be a fantastic event. We'll have a great, great time there with uh, Street to Stand, which is our winter retreat. So great, um, exciting news to have Kanye West as well, Zach, being a part of that conference. So that's very, very encouraging and exciting for that. All right, if you have your Bible, open up to Joshua chapter 9. Joshua chapter 9, we're going to look here at verses 1 through 15. Also, if you have a bulletin, you want to pull out your bulletin insert. We're going to be looking here about the story of how Joshua, how he was deceived and he did not consult the Lord. This is what the Bible calls the Gibeonite deception. And I'll explain all that, but let me give you some background information of about maybe leading up to what's going on here. God picked Abraham and told Abraham, said, Abraham, you will have descendants that will be as numerous as stars of the sky, and their land is what we call the promised land. That's the promise. The land of Israel, and even current day Jordan, where that on both sides of the Jordan River, God has selected for the, for the Jewish nation. Well, Moses was wandering around for 40 years, out of, came out of Egypt in the desert, and because of their disobedience, God would not allow them to enter the promised land. After Moses came up a guy, young man named Joshua, and he was a military leader. Joshua, God raised up this young man, for him to lead the Israelites into the promised land. First battle was Jericho, and they won. Next battle was Ai, and they won. Well, the next city, so they're going, because what's happening, these people groups called the Canaanites were living there. The Canaanites were all sorts of different uh, people groups, but the Canaanites did not worship the Lord. And the Bible says in uh, in it's here in your handout, Numbers 33, 51 through 52, as well as Deuteronomy 20, 16 through 18. God told the Israelites when they were going to enter the new promised land that they were to drive out the people 
that did not worship the Lord, the Canaanites, so these other people groups, because this was the land that God had given to the Israelites. Well, then what happens here is we come to this next city, and it's called Gibeon. They're next to get attacked. And something happens. Joshua was deceived. He was fooled. One of the commands that was given and back in Deuteronomy 7-2, is it forbid the Israelites from making a treaty with any of the people groups living in that land. And here's why. You say, what's the big deal? Why don't they make a peace treaty? A peace treaty is when you come in and you say, you know, if you let me live in this land, we won't bother you. We won't attack you. You don't have to worry. We'll have a peace treaty. So we'll, this will be my land, that will be your land, and we'll just be happy. Be no problems. God did not want Joshua to do that. And the reason why, there's a very important reason why, is because looking back, Joshua did not, God did not want Joshua and the Israelites to be known for their great negotiating skills, going around negotiating peace treaties. God wanted to be able to show to the Israelites it was the Lord who won all these military battles and who drove out these people groups. God was the one who was winning the victories, not a great negotiator. So we didn't want a president writing the art of a deal. We didn't want someone who could just uh, negotiate or be a good diplomat. That was not the interest of what God wanted. God wanted all the glory. Israel really wasn't a good army at all. It was the Lord who won their battles. So the warning for Joshua was no peace treaty. Period. Very clear. And they knew this. You know, I think of peace treaties. You know, Thursday is Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, if you go back in time, where did it come from? Back on November 9th, 1620, I believe it was 103 people arrived. They first pulled up, to. they were aiming for the Hudson River there at New York. They went a little north. And the Mayflower landed, and right there, they pulled up at Cape Cod, Massachusetts, came in at Provincetown, and uh, they came around. They spent the winter there on the boat looking for a place to, that they could settle and, and, and develop a first settlement. And what had happened is these folks had been on the Mayflower for 66 days sailing across the Atlantic Ocean. The people on that boat were what we call English separatists. This was in 1620. They brought their 1611 King James Bible with them. They had fled England because of the persecution that had broken out against them. Because the Church of England, particularly King James, he was ruthless. If you didn't basically pay tribute and do what he said and worship the way he wanted, I mean, they ex it, was, it was rough. They executed. You had to believe what the church taught. So they fled over to what we know, now know as Amsterdam, then they went back to England, and that Amsterdam is where Baptists were started. Then they went back to England, then they hopped on the boats and started coming on over here. So they came here for religious liberty in 1620. Well, in 1621, this was what we call the first Thanksgiving. They had, right there in Plymouth, Massachusetts, they had settled. That was their first settlement. You know, the first winter there, the winter of 1620, was brutal. Half the pilgrims died. It was not easy. And they get on the land, and you know, 
there were people already on the land. They're called Native Americans. And if you remember, the first Thanksgiving was essentially a peace treaty between the Indians and the pilgrims. They said, hey, we'll let you have your little settlement here. You can live here in Plymouth, Massachusetts, and you know, do your little thing, and we'll take the rest of the country or the land. That was, just, that was all that was here in the U.S. What's also powerful about that is when they came over here to the New World, the pilgrims, they came also as missionaries. They are coming here knowing they're going to meet Native Americans for the, who did not know about Jesus so they could share the Lord with them. So there was a missionary endeavor to coming to the New World. Now you say, Daniel, what about Jamestown and the, the settlements in Florida? That's true. There were settlements in Jamestown, Virginia, and in Florida. But those settlements, first of all, they didn't last. And our government didn't come from those settlements. The one in Jamestown was brutal. They nearly all, I think they all died out there. And people were coming to Florida for gold and for other various reasons. But that what started there with William Bradford, the first governor, there in Plymouth, in that settlement in 1620, 1621, that started the pipeline to the United States of America and our government and the colonies. That's how it all started. And it started also with a peace treaty between the Indians and the pilgrims. Now, you look back, you say, probably those Indians had no clue that once people found out there was land they could live in in the New World that ship after ship would start coming from England. And that little group of 103, which half of them died, it grew into the thousands and thousands and thousands. But the point is, that was an example that when we celebrate Thanksgiving and the Indians taught the pilgrims how to eat corn, that is literally us remembering a peace treaty. Now, the peace treaty was a political peace treaty, saying, we'll let you live in this land, but it was also a peace treaty saying, we won't, let's not attack each other. Now, new folks came, and yes, the Indians and the settlers started having wars broke out and fighting, but initially, those folks on the Mayflower, there was a treaty that was made between the two. Now, I share all that because I believe it was God's will and purpose to found this country. Do you know this country is the greatest in the history of Christianity, the greatest missionary-sending country in 2,000-year history of Christianity. The modern missions movement was fueled by the U.S. Lottie Moon, which we'll be talking about next Sunday, came from Virginia, a missionary to China. The, the, the mission-sending agencies, the greatest amount come from America, the money that fuels it, taking the gospel to the unengaged, unreached people groups. Those folks on the Mayflower had no clue what they were starting right there in Plymouth, Massachusetts. And that just shows that the Lord, when you're guided by His path, when you're following His direction, incredible things can happen. But we're about to read the story here. In Joshua chapter 9, of what happens when you do not seek the Lord's direction. We are confronted daily of decisions we have to make. And I'm going to ask you this morning to be a believer who says, Lord, what should I do? What is your counsel about this? Let's turn our Bibles. Let's look at the story here. 
This is what not to do in your Bible. Joshua chapter 9, verse 1. When all the kings heard about Jericho and Ai, those were the first two uh, cities that were defeated by the Israelites. Those who were west of the Jordan in the hill country of the Judean foothills and all along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea toward Lebanon, the Hivites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, they formed a unified alliance to fight against Joshua and Israel. So word's getting out what's happening here. We're getting worried. When the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ao, Ai, they acted deceitfully. They gathered provisions and took worn-out sacks on their donkeys and old wineskins cracked and mended. They wore old patched sandals on their feet and threadbare clothing on their bodies. Their entire provision of bread was dry and crumbly. They went to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal and said to him, and the men of Israel, we have come from a distant land. Look at this. Please make a treaty with us. I mean, they look like, they look pretty raggedy. Old half-dead donkey, moldy bread, their clothes are falling apart. These folks traveled a long way. And the truth is, Gibeon was five miles up the road. That's where they came. Right around the corner. It took a hour and a half hike to get there on their donkey that barely was live and they're coming here deceitfully and it's important joshua knows what deuteronomy 7 2 says do not make a treaty with any of the people living in the land and the gibeonites were living in the land so let's see what happens now look at this verse 7 the men of israel replied to the hivites Perhaps you live among us. How can we make a treaty with you? Look at that question. They even knew this was wrong. Wait a minute. We're not supposed to be making treaties. How, how, how do I know you're not my next door neighbor? I mean, you look old. Everything's moldy and disgusting. But for all I know, you could be one of the people that are next on the hit list. And they were. Now look at this. They said to Joshua, we are your servants. Then Joshua asked them, who are you and where do you come from? They replied to him, your servants have come from a faraway land because of the reputation of the Lord your God. For we have heard of his fame and all that he did in Egypt and all that he did to the two Amorite kings beyond the Jordan, King Sihon of Heshbon and King Og of Bashan, who was in Ashtoreth. Now that's amazing. They quote something. These two kings here, King Sihon of Heshbon and King Og of Bashan, that stuff that happened years and years ago, that was back with Moses back in Numbers chapter 21. Moses defeated those folks because they wouldn't let the Israelites pass through their land. And what happened, they're even quoting old-timey stories that happened decades ago. But the truth is, these guys knew the more recent battles. The battle of Jericho and the battle of Ai that just happened last week. But everything they say looked old. A faraway land. They're talking about Egypt, which was... I mean, that's stuff in the history books by now. And, and they just 
all of their appearance looked legitimate. Their stories seemed legitimate. Guys, this is what sin does to you. This is how the devil tempts you to sin. It, from the outside, it looks like a legitimate claim. But the problem with this, it breaks God's rule. Alright, keep going here in your Bible. Verse 11. So our elders and all the inhabitants of our land told us, Take provisions with you for the journey. Go and meet them and say, We are your servants. Please make a treaty with us. They're trying to close that cell. They're pushing for that treaty. Because they know the Israelites had a hold of their word if they make a treaty. And look at this. This bread of ours was warm when we took it from our houses as food on the day we left to come to you. But see, now it's dry and crumbly. Who would eat this nasty stuff? These wineskins were new when we filled them, but see, they're cracked and leaking. And these clothes and sandals of ours are worn out from the extremely long journey. Then the men of Israel, look at this, took some of their provisions. They're like, they're inspecting it. They're looking at the clothes, looking at the moldy bread. Go, well, that is, this stuff's nasty. They're gross. They've traveled a long way. And look at this. But did not seek the Lord's decision. They forgot to do the most important thing. They forgot to ask God for guidance. Could you imagine making a major decision? A decision that even seems somewhat shady, just a lot of unknowns here. And they never once prayed to the Lord. Do you know the danger of prayerlessness couldn't be any more clear? And this is the main point. God was never consulted about this. When you fail to pray to the Lord and seek His counsel, you're going to find yourself disobeying God and making a treaty with people that you should not be doing, or doing something, or going, getting involved in sin, anything, you fill in the blank. You didn't seek the Lord's guidance. Verse 15, so look at this. Wise Joshua, look what he does. So Joshua established peace with them, and made a treaty with them to let them live. And the leaders of the community swore an oath to them. They even made a promise, all the leaders. We understand you're from a faraway country. If you want to, the rest of this week, you can read what happens. It's revealed when they go. The next couple of days, three days later, they decide, you know what? It's time to go attack, attack the next city, which is, what do you know? It's Gibeon. So they roll up their tanks and their, their army right there. They didn't have tanks back then. They, they bring their bow and arrow and they're ready to attack. And sure enough, those raggedy old men aren't dressed that way. They're standing on top of the walls, holding their paperwork, saying, look here, I looked that way, but we fooled you. Joshua had to keep his word. And it says the men of Israel, they grumbled, they were mad. Because why? They disobeyed God. What happens when you do not seek the Lord's direction in your life or in any area of your life, you will fall. Even when things seem like, seem like they make sense. 
It looks good on paper. It looks good in appearance. If you don't ask God, you don't know. God might have a different direction. And this is important for us. The main takeaway that God wants us to see here. Psalm 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. Do you want God to guide you? Do you want to live a life that's being directed by the Lord? Do you want your decisions to be involved with the mind of Christ? Listen, if you want daily crying out and asking Him, do you know the Lord will help you with every single decision? In fact, I have a Bible verse up here. It's out of Isaiah 30, verse 21. Look at this Bible verse. This is such an incredible verse about this. And whenever you turn to the right or to the left, look at this. Your ears will hear this command behind you, meaning God will speak to you. This is the way. Walk in it. God is telling us. If you are wondering, what, do, how do, what, what, what direction do I go? God, what do I do? How do I handle this situation? Something that can seem so innocent and it makes so much sense. Three days later, you realize that was so wrong. That is what the devil and what sin does. Those people came demanding and gave the appearance of desperation of a faraway land. We just want a simple peace treaty. And they never asked God. Joshua didn't. He didn't hear from the Lord. Do you want to hear from the Lord? Do you want God to speak to you? Do you want this Thanksgiving as you go and you'll see lots of family members? You'll see folks you haven't seen in a while. You know, I'll tell you, uh, Thanksgiving, Sherry and I will go back to Alabama a few days. I will see family members who do not know Jesus. They're not in church right now. They're unchurched. And instead of sitting around talking about Alabama and Auburn, because that's what folks down there will be talking about this week, I want to take an Alabama and Auburn conversation and shift it to a gospel conversation. You want to take a Kentucky-Louisville conversation and say, yeah, whatever, well, I want to talk about the Lord. That's what it means to follow the Lord's direction. That's what it means to hear the word of the Lord. But I want to tell you, if you don't have a prayer life, if, you are, if you're pulling a Joshua and you're not crying out and saying, God, what, what should I do? You will miss this command. You won't hear from behind you the Lord directing your past. God wants to direct your paths. Look here, in your handout. These are your take-home takeaways. You are guaranteed success. Did y'all know that? I'm going to define what success means. You are guaranteed success if you follow the Lord. That's it. Guaranteed. Say, Daniel, what does that mean, success? Success, do you know what success is? It's doing what God wants you to do. Now, worldly success is radically different. Godly success is when we ask the Lord, we seek the Lord, He directs our paths, He walks before us, He guides every single conversation, every single uh, tense situation, every single event that will happen at Thanksgiving. God guides us. If you follow the Lord, if you do what Joshua didn't do, this Thanksgiving, 
you are guaranteed success. Secondly, we see here, the Gibeonite deception. Here it is. How can it be wrong when it seems so right? When something seems right, it can't be wrong. I mean, you look at these guys. Everything was lined up perfect. God is speaking to you this morning. And He's saying, just because it looks good, it seems good, the appearance is pleasing. If you don't seek the Lord, if you don't cry out and ask for God's guidance, church, you will fall. Joshua was mad. The Israelites were dis- and leaders were disappointed. The people were like, my goodness, we can't now attack these people. Look, they fooled us. Do you know, if you read on in the Bible about the Gibeonites, they ended up bringing trouble to Israel later on with King David. Because Saul, King Saul, back in 1 Samuel, he was trying to kill the Gibeonites and he couldn't do it. But then by the time you get to 2 Samuel chapter 21, a three-year famine broke out against Israel with David as the king. This is towards latter part of his life. And what happened in that famine was God told David, David, do you know why there's a famine in the land? It's because your predecessor, King Saul, he was trying to kill the people that you promised you wouldn't kill. You made a peace treaty with the Gibeonites. And you still, even today, even though that happened centuries ago, you are expected to honor your word. There is no statue of limitations with God. If something happened, what statue of limitations was? Seven years here in America? If something happened 54 years ago and you need to go ask forgiveness, and you'll see those persons on Thursday, you need to ask forgiveness. God's memory doesn't run out, He doesn't forget. You sign a peace treaty with the Gibeonites. The rest of your life, Israel, you're going to honor that treaty. And you will always remember that Joshua did not seek counsel from God. David had to go through a three-year famine for what Saul did for trying to kill what Joshua shouldn't have done. That's the consequences of sin. But the great news is, the gospel message for us, that doesn't happen if we seek the Lord's counsel. This morning I'm asking you to be a believer that seeks and cries out and calls out to the Lord. Jesus, I thank you for your word. I pray this invitation, this time of response, it will be a time that we do not let pass by and we don't miss the opportunity of following you. God, even when things seem so right, Lord, I pray that we will be, we'll be believers that we are constantly asking and seeking you. Lord, make our path your light. Lord, walk behind us and speak to us to the right or the left and let us know where to go. Lord, let us be a people. Let us be a church that's just following the Holy Spirit's leadership. Lord, this week with, uh, with Thanksgiving conversations, God, Give me 
opportunities to tell my family, some of them I know who are spiritually lost about you, Jesus. And the same among all the folks. Great gospel opportunities this week. Jesus, I pray, just as the pilgrims were guided 400 years ago, we also will be guided by you. Lord, this invitation, we ask for your guidance and direction. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We close every single worship service here with an invitation. I want to invite you to respond. If God's